Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Um, I want to especially say thank you to all of our visitors who are here this morning. It's nice to have so many people here, some large groups that are here. Um, I was surprised with a friend from college who showed up this morning, and I'm glad to say that he hasn't changed at all since college, just like me. So I think we're the only two. I was looking at some reunion pictures, and the people we went to school with are like old people now, but we're not, so I don't know what the, the magic is with that. But it is good to have you here. There's some things that I want to tell you about this congregation if you don't know about Netherwood Park. Uh, one of the things that you need to know about us is that we strongly believe in the power of God's word. We believe that every Christian should be deeply engaged and involved in Bible reading and Bible study. That's why you'll hear us talk about our Project 9K. That's a Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park Church of Christ. We have challenged ourselves as a congregation to read at least 9,000 books of the Bible in 2017. And I want to give you an update about that. So far, we have reported reading 2,240 books of the Bible year to date. Now, if you're doing the math, you'll do the math and say, oh, we're behind schedule. And you are right. We are behind schedule. So I want to encourage you to pick up the pace of reading. Um, If you're reading and not reporting, to start reporting. Um, If you haven't been a part of the Project 9K to this point, I want to really encourage you to start now. It's never too late to start making that a habit, a part of your regular day to be involved in reading God's word. Something else that we want you to know about us is we are a congregation that believes in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer is powerful and effective. We are a praying church. And, you know, we'd like to pray for you. If you have something in your life or in the lives of people that you love that you would like this congregation or just its leadership to pray about, we'd like to know about that so we can honor that request. If you'll pull out one of these green communication cards that you'll find in front of you and fill out your prayer request and then drop it in one of our collection boxes, you can know that we will honor your request. In fact, tomorrow morning we'll send out that request to literally hundreds of people who are waiting to pray for you. So please fill out your prayer request and drop it in one of those boxes. You can find two boxes at the back of the auditorium. You can find another one through these double doors. Something else that you need to know about us is that we are a baptizing church. We believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism where we participate in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that it's through baptism that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we're clothed with Christ, that we emerge as new creatures to live a new life and leave our old lives behind. If you have questions about baptism, if you haven't been baptized, we'd encourage you to use this communication card to let us know that you would like to have a conversation about that. If you'll do that, you can know that we'll contact you right away so that we can have that conversation, do our very best to answer the questions that you have. So if you'd fill out your contact information, check the box that says, I'd like to talk to someone about baptism and drop it in one of those boxes, we'll have that conversation. Finally, we want you to know that we think it's important for every Christian to be a part of a local church family. Obviously, we think you should be a part of this local church family, but you need to be a part of a local church family. And if you've been attending Netherwood Park for a while and you're not yet identified as a part of this family, we'd really like for you to take the next step in order to become a part of this family. And you can use the same card to do that. If you'd fill out your contact information, check the box about 
having a conversation about being a part of this family. Once again, someone from our leadership will contact you right away. We'll answer whatever questions you have to the best of our ability so that you can be a part of this congregation. You can worship alongside us and serve with us, and we can grow in our faith together. So once you consider doing those things. Well, you need to know some things about us uh, that we're doing this summer. We're starting a new series this summer, a series where we'll each week be looking at some questions that Jesus asked. As you read through the Gospels, you can't help but be struck by the fact that Jesus asked lots of questions. In fact, as Jesus had conversations with other people, he tends to ask more questions than he actually answers. I find that kind of interesting, don't you? That Jesus asked so many questions. In fact, in some ways it seems even odd to me that Jesus asked so many questions. Why would Jesus, God in the flesh, ask so many questions? To put it another way, why would someone who is omniscient someone who truly is a know-it-all, why would he ask other people so many questions? Because Jesus isn't like me. I have to constantly ask questions because there's so much that I don't know. And increasingly, I have to ask questions because there's so much that I just can't remember. Speaking of memory, did you guys see the the study that came out recently about um, the artificial sweeteners? that that may be affecting our short-term memory. That really concerns me because I drink a lot of diet, Dr. Pepper, and I'm afraid I should cut back before it starts affecting my short-term memory. That's an aside. Um, Jesus doesn't have a knowledge problem. He knows it all. And Jesus doesn't have a remembering problem, which makes me think about, have you guys been seeing those studies about um, artificial sweeteners and how they may affect your (laughs) short-term That's the only reason I go to the Pepperdine Bible lectures is to steal other people's jokes. But, that's... but Jesus doesn't have a remembering problem, does he? And he doesn't have a knowledge problem, doesn't he? does he? So Jesus doesn't ask questions because he doesn't remember the answers. He doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answers. He asks questions because there's power in his questions. Jesus asks questions because he understands that saying, let me ask you something, is a much more powerful way of teaching and instructing than just saying, let me tell you something. We understand that, don't we? We respond differently to people who ask us what, they, what we think we should do versus people who try to tell us what we should do. And we respond differently to people who tell us what something means versus people who ask us what we think something means. Telling is one-sided. Telling is communication that moves in only one direction. I tell you and you listen. But asking invites answers. It invites conversation that moves in both directions. It invites invites engagement, it invites thought, it invites learning. So Jesus asked questions, not because he was searching for answers. No, Jesus asked questions because he was searching for engagement. And Jesus was great at engaging people, wasn't he? To just give you one example, we all remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. We find that in the 10th chapter of Luke. 
But we may not remember the conversation that Jesus had before he told that parable and the conversation he had after he told that story. And the conversation begins this way in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And how would you expect Jesus to reply? How would you expect the omniscient one to reply? Someone who knows it all, how would you expect them to reply? Well, we'd expect Jesus to reply with an answer, right? We'd expect Jesus to say, well, you want to know what to do? I'll tell you what to do. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus responds with a question. In effect, he says, well, let me ask you something. What's written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the expert wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And once more, Jesus chooses to engage. Rather than tell the answer, he tells a story, and then he asks another question. He doesn't say, let me tell you who your neighbor is. Instead, he tells a story and then asks an additional question. He tells that story about a man who was traveling on a road, and he was robbed, and he was beaten up, and he was left for dead beside the road. And he tells us this vivid picture about a priest and then a Levite who come along and don't even make eye contact, who pass on the other side of the road, don't even lift a finger to help. And then Jesus brings a Samaritan into the story. He brings a character that the lawyer would have instinctively hated into the story. And in the story, uh, that Samaritan stops and he helps and he saves the poor traveler's life. And at the conclusion of the story, Jesus turns to the lawyer and he asks another question. He says, in effect, let me ask you something. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then, finally, Jesus tells him something to do. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, let me ask you something is much more powerful than let me tell you something. When Jesus said, let me ask you something, which of the three was a neighbor to the man? That's much more powerful and much more engaging than let me tell you something. You can only be a neighbor if you're willing to put aside your own fears and put aside your own needs and put aside your own agenda to help other people. Jesus led the man to draw that conclusion himself. And the Gospels are full of these powerful and engaging and challenging questions that Jesus asked others. And they weren't just powerful and engaging and challenging way back then. They continue to be powerful and engaging now. And so every Sunday during the months of June and July, we're going to be asking ourselves questions. 
We're going to ask ourselves the questions now that Jesus asked of people then. And today we're going to start with two questions that Jesus asked his disciples. First, he says, let me ask you something. Who do people say I am? And then we're going to hear Jesus ask a follow-up question. Well, how about you? Let me ask you something. Who do you say I am? But before we ask those questions, let's pray to the great I am. And Father, we are humbled to be in your presence. And Father, we are grateful that we have the very words of Jesus passed down to us today. And Father, help us to not just be readers of those words. Father, help us to engage with those words and understand that Jesus isn't just asking questions then, he's asking questions of us now. So Father, open our minds and open our hearts to Jesus' questions. And I pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So let's engage with Jesus' questions. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Let me ask you something. Who do people say I am? Basically, Jesus is saying, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And the word on the street's pretty good, isn't it? Jesus' disciples are able to report excellent news. People have a high opinion of Jesus. They know about the miracles, they know about the signs, they know about the wonders, and so they know that Jesus is no ordinary man. In fact, the word on the street is that Jesus must be a man of God. But they think he's a man of God from the past who's miraculously returned to the present. And their speculation centers on one figure from Israel's recent past and several figures from their distant past. Some speculate that Jesus is John the Baptist who's returned from the dead to continue his ministry. And others seem to think it's more likely that Jesus is actually Elijah or Jeremiah or some other Old Testament prophet who's returned to once more speak to God's people on behalf of their God. And it quickly becomes evident that that question that Jesus asks isn't really his primary focus. And that question won't be our primary focus either. But it is a fascinating and engaging question, isn't it? So let me ask you a question. Who do people say Jesus is? What's the word on the street now? What opinions do people have about Jesus today? Well, I don't know about you, but I hear things like, well, Jesus was a good man. Or I hear that, well, Jesus was a powerful teacher. Or even that he was an effective political and revolutionary leader. I also hear things, though, like, well, Jesus was a fraud. Or even that Jesus is just a myth. What's your answer? What do you hear? Who do people say Jesus is? Well, in our text, Jesus listens to those various answers, and he listens without comment. 
But now he has his disciples engaged. And now that they're engaged, he follows up with a powerful question. He says, well, let me ask you something. What about you? Who do you say I am? Jesus is asking, do you agree with the people? Do you share the opinion of the street? Or do you have a different answer? And as as is often the case, not surprisingly, it's Peter who's willing to offer his opinion. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Peter, who do you say I am? Well, not John the Baptist, not a prophet returned from old, but you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. That's a powerful answer to a powerful question, isn't it? Peter has it exactly right. And Jesus makes it clear that Peter has it exactly right because Jesus replies, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Yes, Peter has it exactly right. Which makes it all the more puzzling and all the more heartbreaking to hear Peter's answer to those same questions just a short time later when he's standing in the high priest's courtyard after Jesus has been arrested. John records that story this way in chapter 18 of his gospel. Listen to how Peter responds and listen to the questions that he's asked. John 18, verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. And because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. And the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Now listen to the question. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked. And Peter replied, I am not. A little bit later on in verse 25, Peter's still standing there. He's warming himself beside a fire. And so some people ask him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And Peter denied it saying, I am not. And one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. You aren't one of Jesus' disciples, are you? I am not. Didn't I see you with Jesus in the garden? You did not. There asking Peter a question. They're saying, let me ask you a question. Who do you say Jesus is? And Peter's reply is, I say he's a man that I don't even know. It's a very different answer, isn't it? It's a very different confession, isn't it? 
He goes from the bold, I say you are the Christ, to the meek, I say Jesus is someone I don't even know. So let me ask you a question. Which one of those two confessions carries the most power? The, question, the, the confession in Caesarea Philippi, when Peter said, you are the Christ, or the confession in the courtyard, where Peter said, I don't even know that man. Well, let's get personal with our questions. Let me ask you another question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Do you agree with the word on the street or do you have a different answer? Several of us had a kind of a transformative experience several years ago. We traveled with a group here from Netherwood Park to Thailand. We went on a short-term mission trip. We worked with the Let's Start Talking program and with Andy and Catherine Miller. And our goal was to reach out to Thai college students. We had a desire to tell the Thai college students about Jesus, and they had a desire to work on their English skills. So we brought those two desires together, and every day we worked on their English skills, and we told them about Jesus as we read through the Gospel of Luke with them. And we asked them lots of questions, good and powerful questions. And they asked good and powerful questions in return. And the question that I think impacted all of us the most was when these wonderful Buddhist Thai students would be about halfway through the Gospel of Luke and they would turn to us and they would say, let me ask you a question, Walter. Do you believe this? Let me ask you a question, Walter. Who do you say Jesus is? And for the first time, for many of us, we had to really confront being in a culture and among people who didn't believe like we believed. And we had to truly answer, this is who I believe Jesus is. Let's get even more personal. How do you answer that question, who do you say Jesus is, when you're gathered with other disciples? How do you answer that question when you're in this place, in this safe place when you're like Peter and you're with other disciples and how do you answer that question who do you say Jesus is when you're in the courtyard with they how do you answer that question when you're the only disciple and you're among people who at best might think that Jesus is a good man or a powerful teacher and who at worst might believe that Jesus is a fraud or just a myth. Who do you say Jesus is then when you're not with other disciples, when you're with they? You know, our theme this year at Netherwood Park is living the word in the world. We're stressing the importance of not just hearing the word, but living the word. We're focusing on not just testifying about our master with our words and among our friends, but testifying about our master with our lives out in the world. So let me ask you a different question. 
Who does your life say Jesus is? When they, when the people outside this building, when they encounter you, when they interact with you, when they observe you, what do they conclude about your master based on what they hear and what they see from you? Based on that, who would they say Jesus is? Think about it this way. If you were the only one, if you were the only Christ follower, if you were the only Christian, if you were the only one wearing the name of Christ that these people ever met and ever knew, what would they conclude about your master based on what they see and hear from you? Who would they say Jesus is? Based on what your spouse and your children see and hear from you, who would they say Jesus is? Based on what your next door neighbor sees and hears from you, who would they say Jesus is? Based on what your coworkers or your fellow students or your customers see and hear from you, who would they say Jesus is? How about the waiter at your favorite restaurant? Based on what he sees and hears from you, who would he say Jesus is? How about the clerk at your favorite store? Based on what she sees and hears from you, who would she say Jesus is? And I'm going to get really personal. Based on what the driver in the next lane sees and hears from you, who would they say Jesus is? Whoever your they is, based on what they see and hear from you, who would they say Jesus is? You see, when we claim the name of Jesus... When we declare with our lips that he is our Lord and our master. When we confess in this assembly that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. When we're baptized and we're clothed with Christ, we become living testimonies to who Jesus is. They, the people we encounter, they look to Jesus' servants to find out who he is, to find out who their master is. As Jesus' servants, we are his tangible representatives in this world. We're his tangible testimony to the people who live in this world. And that's obviously a huge and daunting responsibility, isn't it? And it's also something that we obviously do imperfectly. And because being Jesus' tangible representative and testimony to the world, to the people around us, is so daunting, it's easy for us to just retreat. It's easy for us to hide. It's easy for us to take the path that Peter took in the courtyard and simply deny knowing or being with Jesus. But I want to encourage you to take a different path. 
See, just because this is a huge and daunting task, just because it's something that we know we'll do imperfectly, it doesn't mean that we should hide. It doesn't mean that we should deny. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try. You see, our Lord hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us without help. So he's given us his spirit. And he's given us his word. And he's given us each other. We're not in this world alone. And there's something else important that you need to know about our master, about our Lord, about Jesus Christ. See, Jesus reveals his identity even through and especially through our weaknesses. People learn more perfectly who Jesus is by watching what Jesus is able to do through us, through his imperfect servants. And you may not be the only one. In fact, you're probably not the only Christ follower that the people you encounter know. But I want you to know you are an important one. So, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us to live our lives as if we are the only ones. As if we're the only living testimony to the world around us. The only testimony to the world about Jesus' identity. Because we may not be the only ones, but man, we are important ones. So let's end with those questions. Who does your life say Jesus is? And based on your life, who will others say Jesus is? Let's pray. Father, we want to be like Jesus. And Father, we are weak. And Father, we are imperfect. So Father, we thank you for being the perfect God. The God who demonstrates his power in our weaknesses. So Father, give us strength and give us courage. Father, help us to testify with our lips and testify with our lives that Jesus is the Christ. Father, we know you and we know your son and we want others to know you and know your son. So, Father, use us. Use us as your representatives. Use us as your testimony to the world around us so they can come to know you and know Jesus. And it's in his name, Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen. So who do you say Jesus is? As we end, let's testify with our lips that Jesus is the Christ. And let's leave and testify with our lives that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And let us with our lips and our lives testify that he is the wonderful and merciful Savior. And let us with our lips and our lives testify that he is our precious Redeemer and friend. And let us with our lips and our lives testify that he is the Lamb of God who was sent to rescue the souls of people like us. 
Let all of us, with our lips and our lives, testify that Jesus is the Christ. Let's end by standing and praising Jesus. Let's stand and testify with our lips, and then let's go and testify with our lives. Say, Lord.